This is a job for the Superfoods. Villains tremble at the sight of black taco, green Cheetos, white quesadilla, charcoal pork, black hot dog, black peach crisp, and don't forget about their leader, black vegetable pasta. Together, they will focus their powers of food? I don't know. But they focus them against their villains. Black ham and black salami. That's it. It's all of them against two people. By the way, they're not both black. They're wearing black. That's important. But all of them against two people. Shouldn't take a whole episode. But join in anyway to see the powers of the superfoods. Ratchet Book Club. Hey guys, this is Vanessa. My podcast is Life Paranormal with me. Listen as I serve you all things spirit, paranormal, and unexplained. Join me every other Saturday as my guest hosts and I recount our own experiences that will perplex and utterly terrify you. Life Paranormal with V is available on all major platforms such as Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Join the Lifer fam by following me on Twitter at Paranormal. Follow, like, subscribe, and hit that notification button so you can always catch a ride on this spooky vibe. What's up guys, I'm back for the first time in a while for a solo evening edition of What's the channel called? Casting pods left and right And you know I can't do the 59-59 without Kyler But it's been a while I apologize about that But it has been ridiculously crazy at work So I've been kind of trying to keep up with everybody on Twitter Uh, If you don't have on your Twitter, you should probably have me on your Twitter, it's at podcast WTCC, and basically we just try to spread the love on Twitter, man, help everybody out wherever we can, so, plus it's an excellent group of people on there, some of the best people I've ever met, so, it's really good, it's really, really good community for podcasters, but, yeah, it's been real crazy busy at work. I haven't haven't had a lot of time to record anything. I uh, stayed until 10 o'clock last night. Got home at 10. So it's been pretty crazy. Um, but anyways, I have actually done something that I don't often do. And I kind of prepared some stuff for tonight's episode. So, I got some pretty ridiculous moments 
and we've talked about this before, me and Kyler have, on a couple different episodes, but I just wanted to jog your guys' memory. Fast and the Furious franchise. Love the movies. Absolutely love the movies. Love the whole franchise. But it's just honestly pretty ridiculous. There's a lot of things in there that just don't make a lot of sense. And I don't know why Fast and Furious is like one of those movie series that I actually use logic when I watch the movies because most of the time I'm watching movies where none of this stuff could happen in real life and I know that but it doesn't bother me. But for some reason parts of Fast and Furious really really bother me. So here are some of those parts. So on Too Fast Too Furious they're in Miami. I think Miami Beach specifically but uh, when Brian does the stare and drive with Eva Mendez, I know that's not her name. I think it's like Daisy Fuentes or something in the movies. Uh, but he does the stare and drive where he just goes at a pretty decent clip, you know, not looking at the road at all, just staring directly at her. Well, see, that's the tenth worst city on the planet for traffic. literally one of the most congested U.S. cities. So I don't see how you're going to do a stare and drive when you can barely do like a drive and drive. It's, I don't know, man. Unless he just got lucky. Maybe he caught everybody right after lunch hour and he was able to cruise, but still the stare and drive thing, I, I can't even make myself do it. So I don't know. And then Roman says he taught him that move. Roman definitely did not teach him that move. Because Roman, as you will see throughout the rest of the series, is the one that's always scared. So, I don't think Roman taught him the stare and drive. Uh, The most ridiculous one, uh, because Mr. Dwayne Johnson, you just... You gotta stop, man. Is when the daughter's visiting him in the hospital room. He sees the news and he's like, Ugh, Daddy's gotta go to work. And he flexes and his cast just explodes off his arm and his arm's magically perfectly fine. That won't happen. I know. Because I've shattered my left arm three times and I've broken it four times and I've broken my right arm twice. I've got a pretty good idea of what a cast will stand up to uh, because once you break your arm and you play football, that thing gets pretty banged up and gets some pretty hard hits. A lot harder than the rock's muscles hit. And my cast never shattered. I broke it in half once, but I've never made it shatter. Um, like, And then his arm is just magically better. Like nothing ever happened. He's standing there like flexing and straightening out his arm. He's like, oh yeah. All my muscles have perfectly realigned the bones in my arm. And just like, calm down, Dwayne. <laughs> calm down, buddy. Like, I realize you're buff, but you ain't that buff. Ain't nobody that buff. And then the one that drives my brother crazy in particular is when they're doing the bank vault heist. That thing, there's no way any car is going to pull that bank vault, even if there's two of them. 
just not possible. That is far too heavy. And even when you have a big, high-geared, high-powered truck, and you're pulling stuff, you don't cruise. You crawl. So that scene was one that really bugged my brother. I thought it was pretty cool myself, but it is... Uh, it's not exactly accurate. Um, this one is in Fate of the Eight, which was already not the best Fast and the Furious movie. But the scene, it's not even just one scene. It's like the whole time they're in the Arctic or like where the ice is on the lake. It's, it's garbage. <laughs> I'm sorry. But I'm not sure on the logistics of this, but I don't think you can jump a submarine in clear water, let alone through ice that's thick enough for 25 cars to drive on. Um, and then, like, they're going pretty fast on that ice, and nobody once loses traction. That alone, from my experiences with snow plowing, that's just not right. And then the cars that they take out there on the ice, they just want to go down like it went down on the movie. I mean, it's cool in theory, but it did not, it's just not how it worked in real life. And then, the fact that, now I'm not, I think this was Vin Diesel. So I don't think this one was The Rock, but he literally leans out the side of a vehicle and grabs a torpedo and spins it in a circle to where it goes at the other people. I don't think there's anybody alive that could spin a torpedo in mid-flight. And the trajectory of the torpedo on top of the ice? Something metal like that on ice is not going to just skim along in a straight line even if it's propelled. It's going to start bouncing and it's going to start moving and whizzing in different directions. And it's just, it's not going to go like it did in the movie. And then the cars don't fly scene where again we get Vin Diesel being like the ultimate meathead. He's like, dang it, we need a jack. And he's like, you don't need a jack. I got it. And just picks up the car and holds it for like a solid three minutes. Yeah, I don't buy it. And then, not only that, that's not even the most ridiculous thing. Like, he's just plowing through all these walls in a skyscraper. I'm fairly certain that the walls in a skyscraper are chock full of structural steel. As you can see later in the scene. When, okay, so before that, Jason Statham just shows up and starts shooting a machine gun in the air, shooting all over the room, shooting the car up. And so they drive this car around in this room that is just miraculously the perfect size for them to do a donut and smack into Jason Statham. The part that I don't like is the fact that they smack Jason Statham with a car and all he does is roll and then stand up like nothing happened. That's going to hurt, dude. You're not just going to get right back up like nothing happened. And then, let's see what else was in that scene. Oh, yeah. The part where they jump between skyscrapers. Not once, but twice. I just... I don't think you're making that jump 
in any car in the world, I don't think you're making that jump. That's that's a pretty decent gap, and you're not going to be able to build up that much speed in that short of amount. Like, they don't have enough runway, you know what I mean? Like, they're not going to build up enough speed to make it from one skyscraper to the next. And then once they do get into that second skyscraper, there's structural steel everywhere, and they're just driving through it like it's not attached. It's not how it works, man. I, I mean, I know this from construction. It's a lot tougher than it looks. It's not just going to go right through all that steel like nothing happened and then jump to another skyscraper. But when they make the jump from the first one, Jason Statham shoots him with a grenade launcher and nothing happens. It just has a cool Michael Bay style explosion right behind him, but nothing happens. It affects nothing. And then when they jump out of the car in the final skyscraper before it goes careening off the edge, Paul Walker jumps out pretty far back. So his I'm not too concerned about. But Dom waits the last second, you know, just like Dom. And he rolls and rolls and rolls, and his trajectory magically stops right at the edge of the building. Like, no part of him goes over the edge of the building. Incredible. What a lucky man. And then I think it's Fast and Furious 6, whenever they're doing the, the airplane getaway. <laughs> and that runway just never, ever ends. Um, I was a little confused about that, just because I'm not entirely sure, but I don't think most runways are that long. Uh, that seemed to be a really, really, really long runway. <laughs> and there's actually like entire YouTube channels and videos and posts and everything dedicated to finding out how long this runway actually is. <laughs> And then my personal favorite slash least favorite scene is the bridge tackle. And I haven't seen it in a while, and I rewatched it yesterday just to kind of get it fresh in my mind because I knew I wanted to talk about this. And I rewatched all these so that I could talk to you guys about these. But uh, yeah, so the tank obviously on tracks starts running over Roman's car and that's it it just stays in stationary position nothing it doesn't suck the car under even when he gets out of the car like that's not gonna happen I don't care if you are maintaining the exact same speed which is the max speed of the tank you're not going to outrun the tracks because the tracks are pushing downward motion with friction. It's going to drag it back and it's going to suck it under the tracks. He's not going to have time to get on the hood of his car while going however fast they were going down a crowded road. Not hit anything for one. And for two, be able to stand up on a fairly stable surface and tie a cable around the cannon on the tank. It's just not how it works. Um, I'm sorry, Fast and Furious franchise, but that's not how it works. And then Roman makes the jump 
again, miraculously, like, right on time, you know. He makes the jump from his car to Paul Walker's car, and he lands on the back of the car perfectly fine. Didn't even, didn't even bruise himself a little bit. He was just all right, you know. And then there's the whole scene where, well, the whole part of that scene, where they are pushing Roman's car in front of Paul Walker's car and trying to bounce it up over the rails on the bridge. Fairly certain that's not how that would have gone in real life. Just watch the scene and you'll see what I'm talking about. And then they finally get it to go over the rails. And somehow, this cable and Roman's already beat-to-crap car is enough to flip a tank. It gets caught on a piece of steel, and instead of the cable snapping or the car just folding as it's already been ran over and then pushed down a freeway and over some bridge rails. Like, that part, I mean, it could happen. Maybe it was perfect circumstances, but I just don't think that that's going to be strong enough to flip an entire tank. And then, right as the tank flips, Dom runs his car while he's on top of it (laughs) into the bridge railing catapulting himself at Letty and they fly through the air and crash into a windshield after they meet midair both going like 95 miles an hour no broken bones no bruises no bloody noses no coughing they just land on the windshield like and then they're fine like nothing happened at all there was no repercussions for this daredevilish stunt um not buying it honorable mention is when Dom drives the charger through the helicopter I'm not sure that that would go down that way not saying it couldn't but I think it would have gone a lot worse for Dom than what it did and then let's see I have some other movie moments here that I thought were none too great um There's a scene in Live Free Die Hard where he's out running an F-35 in a tanker or a semi with a flatbed. I don't remember what it was. I can't remember if it was a tanker or a flat trailer. It's like a tractor trailer. But either way, he's out running it in a semi. The whole cab gets shot up and he doesn't get hit one time. So then he goes up, jumps off this sinking piece of asphalt asphalt, if it's fractured like that, is not going to hold a semi. And he flies through the air, hits the plane, but falls out the back of the truck because the entire cab is destroyed. But he's perfectly fine. Slides down the trailer, slides down the asphalt, all while the jet's exploding. And he just gets up. He's fine. That didn't hurt at all. One of my personal favorites, it was on a list that I read of like the most irritating movie moments, is the CGI Scorpion in The Mummy Returns. I actually didn't hate it too much because when that movie came out and the age that I was and the movies that I've seen before, that wasn't bad CGI. I was like, holy crap, that actually looks like The Rock. Watch it now obviously can tell 
it's computer generated, but back in 2002 or whatever that was, that was pretty cool. I didn't mind it, so I'll put it on here because a lot of people complain about it, but I didn't mind it. And then another one that was on the list that I read, that same list, I think it was like terrible CGI moments or something. Uh, the vine swinging in Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. It's obviously CGI and it's not good CGI. But I forgive it based solely on the fact that it's an Indiana Jones movie and I love them. So they get to have all the bad CGI they want. No repercussions from me. Another really crazy one was the tank flying scene in the A-Team. That's not at all how that would go down. Um, if you want a little more in-depth, you can uh, get on the YouTubes and look it up. And there are a lot of people who break that scene down just to kind of show you that that's not, not really how that would have gone. And then there's Escape from Los Angeles, where they ride the tsunami down the boulevard. Well, I don't think you can ride a tsunami. Not 100% sure, but I'm not thinking that that's going to go well for you. And then you get the nice shot of Steve Buscemi watching him from the shore. It's obvious. I mean, it's It's bad special effects. It's real, real bad. And then he rides the tsunami over, jumps from the tsunami onto the car, and that's when I noticed that there's a nice little trench, and the tsunami's just staying inside the trench, perfect in uniform, because that's how it works. There's no way it would go over the cliff and onto the car when it's taller than the
much chops the dude in half. It's, it's incredible. And then, also, I didn't have this written down, but it just reminded me of this. Um, on Braveheart, when they bust in the village and the guy that executed his wife gets what's coming to him. That was beautiful. And then when the Scarface guy, I can't remember his name, I mean, he plays in, like, everything Irish and Scottish. You'd notice him in a heartbeat. He's a good actor. But when he gets the guy that slept with his wife and claimed the rights of Prima Nocta. Another really satisfying one for me was Colonel Hans Landa of the SS. On Inglorious Bastards when he finally gets what's coming to him. He didn't necessarily die, but they made sure his life was uh, going to be none too pleasant. And one that really caught me off guard and was pretty amazing just because is uh, on the Avengers. I think it's on Endgame. When uh, Thor actually goes for the head and just straight up kills Thanos when they go to find him. Absolutely beautiful. That was incredible. One of the best things I've seen. And of course, this wouldn't be complete without me throwing in, even though it's a TV show. Well, I guess it's kind of like a series. I don't know how you would describe it, but Joffrey Lannister. I don't think there's ever been a more satisfying villain death than Joffrey Lannister. Uh, that fulfilled a lot of needs for me in that show. I thought it was just uh, really, really beautiful. <laughs> Not really. It was pretty horrific, but it couldn't have happened to a better person in that show. And then I have another category that was movies that flopped that I personally am surprised they flopped because I really enjoyed them. Uh, the first one is The 13th Warrior with Antonio Banderas. Had a budget of 160 million and made 62 million. How in the world did this only make 62 million? That was actually a pretty good movie. And The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Highly recommended, by the way. If you haven't seen it, go see it. It's got Eric Idle, and I think. I'm not even going to comment on who else is in there. I know Uma Thurman's in there at some point, but I don't remember who, if it had, uh, what's his name? I don't remember if Michael Palin was in it or if it was just Eric Idle. That y'all have to check on, but it was actually a really cool movie. Had a budget of 47 million and made 8 million. Like, come on, man. That movie was worth more than 8 million. And then The Postman, one of my all-time favorite movies, with one of my all-time favorite actors. It's got Kevin Costner, it's like post-apocalyptic world, it's beautiful, excellent piece of artwork. It's got Tom Petty, what else do you need? Had a budget of 80 and made 21. How? 
this was one I'm surprised did not at least break even. It came close. It came pretty close. But I can't believe they didn't at least break even because I absolutely love this movie. And that is Sahara. With Steve Zahn and Matthew McConaughey. Great movie. I absolutely love that movie. It's got 160 as the budget. Came out making 120. I don't know how any of these movies flopped. Because I thoroughly enjoyed all of them. Which, if you've heard me talk about movies before, you guys know that I have like a penchant for terrible films. And then these were all movies that I liked off of the list of the top 100 worst movies of all time. Batman and Robin, which for those of you who don't know, 1997, that's the one with Mr. Freeze. I thoroughly enjoyed that movie. However, I feel like Arnold could have toned it down with the ice puns. He was coming in a little strong with the dad jokes. But I thoroughly enjoyed that movie, so I don't know how it's on the list of worst movies ever. Next one that blew me away. Master of Disguise 2002 with Dana Carvey. How is that on the list of the worst movies ever? The dude is a master of impersonations. It's beautiful. And I absolutely love it. <laughs> These ones. Alright, sorry about that. I just realized I haven't been recording for the last 30 minutes. So I'm going to try to wrap it up fairly quick. Because I am now getting pretty close to my house. But when I get a phone call and I'm recording, it shuts off my recording. So unfortunately, I finished up my list of everything I wanted to do. And I only recorded half of it. Um, yeah, I've got a lot more to cram into a short space here, but we'll see what we can do. So, I was at the worst movies that I like. Um, finished up Master Disguise. So the next ones on the list are both from 2008. And I will say this, I understand how they made the list I just don't agree with the fact that they're on the list because I thought they were pretty funny and that is Meet the Spartans and the Disaster Movie so if you guys haven't ever seen those movies that is where me and my brother are always doing the uh, well me at least I don't know how often he quotes it but anytime something big's about to happen I'll always say are we about to stomp the yard? That's off of Meet the Spartans. Um, I, actually, a pretty funny movie. And the disaster movie is absolutely hilarious. It's got, uh, don't know his name, the guy that plays Liam on 90210. He is in that movie, and he is absolutely hilarious. And he is also in Vampires Suck, which is somehow not on this list. Which is incredible because that and the superhero movie, they should all be on this list if two of them aren't. But I digest because I really like all those movies. And then let's see, who did I have on here? Worst actors. Uh, Neil Breen, which if you haven't seen a Neil Breen movie, you don't know what you're missing. He 
He's almost so bad that it brings you joy. He is so bad that it brings you joy. Go look up Neil Breen movie scenes on YouTube. You will not regret it. And it will be like the pinnacle of entertainment for your life. Go look it up. Well worth it. And then Tommy Wiseau. I don't know if you guys know who that is, but he's in that movie, The Room. He's the... I didn't hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. He's that guy. Uh, not a good movie. Not, not good acting. But they're both, like, so bad that they're almost good. Like, in a weird way. So that's why I put them on the list. Uh, my least favorite movie that I could think of off the top of my head when I was doing all this. Endless Love. And it's not a bad movie. I'll give it that. It's really not a bad movie. Like, conceptually speaking. I don't know what it is about that movie, but it just gets under my skin. I've seen it about a bajillion times with my wife. And she likes it, so I'll watch it. But I, it's just not a good movie. I don't know what it is. I can't tell you. Worst actresses. Now, I had Kristen Stewart on this list, but I honestly kind of wonder if it's not the way she's cast in these movies. Because even though she is really, really off putting and awkward in the Twilight series, I think her character is supposed to be played really, really off putting and awkward. So I can't really, I've not really seen enough else with Kristen Stewart to decide whether or not she is in fact a terrible actress, or if it's just on purpose and she actually just did a good job with Bella. So I don't know. That one is to be determined, I suppose. But one that I'm going to put on there that's probably going to upset some people, Renee Zellweger. Doesn't do anything special for me. I, it's nothing against her. I'm just she's really not a good actress that I've seen. And other than that, I don't really have any terrible actresses other than that. And let's see. Uh, the most nostalgic movies is my next topic. So, like movies that really take you back to a special place. Uh, first one on the list for me is Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and that one really gets me because when I started watching it, my uncle showed it to me, and it starts off with an ad for, I believe it's called Fluorine, it's like some old dental commercial from either the 50s or 60s in London, and I was like, dude, what are we watching, why, why are you showing me this? credits took forever, which when I was a kid I didn't get. Now I understand. It's like intentionally hilarious and I appreciate it. I love it. All of it. But that movie is one of the greatest. The next one on my list is Monty Python's Meaning of Life. That one is pretty nostalgic for me because I remember with a couple of my buddies, chiefly Mr. Ben Stanley, wherever you're at, shout out. 
on the meaning of life. There's this whole trippy scene that I'm sure was at least partially influenced by drugs where Terry Jones has like 63 foot long arms and he's just kind of like doing the Egyptian down this hallway. <laughs> I can't even get through without laughing, but he's doing, he's walking all weird and he's going, oh, fishy, fishy, the fishy, the fishy, 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 oh, and he went where the eye did go. And I love it because we used to do that all the time. Young Frankenstein, probably the most watched comedy that I've ever owned. <sighs> Sorry about that. Uh, the most watched comedy I've ever owned, other than Drag to the Dead and Loving It. And both of those movies, absolutely amazing. They are an awesome take on the traditional tales that they represent. And they're really funny. I love both of those movies. Dracula Dead and Loving It, I've probably seen more times than Young Frankenstein. <laughs> because Leslie Nielsen is just, he's the greatest of all time when it comes to comedy. Fun fact, he actually used to be a serious actor, which is real strange. And then I have McClintock with John Wayne. That is by far the most watched, most watched Western I've ever owned. And that's pretty much half of my childhood right there is watching McClintock. I really thoroughly enjoy that movie. And it just takes me back to watching it with my grandpa. With my brother. With anybody else that would watch McClintock with me. This one I'm going to get some crap for, I have a feeling. Uh, if the Film Rage guys are listening, I know I'm going to get some crap. Mortal Kombat and Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Those give me such a sense of nostalgia and joy. I flippin' love those movies. Everybody wants to hate on the CGI. No. I love those movies. I love the acting. I don't think anybody did a bad job in those movies. And uh, the CGI, although by today's standards it sucks, did not suck when those movies came out. It wasn't the greatest, but it wasn't the worstest. So yeah, Mortal Kombat's definitely on that list. Now uh, let's see. The animated Robin Hood where he's a fox and Little John's a bear. That one's on there because that's probably my most watched Disney movie of all time. And just like all the cousins, back when life was simple and we weren't all, you know, otherwise located. We were all in one central location and we all got to just hang out and be a family. Not worry about anything. Those were the good times. And Robin Hood was a big part of that. And Fern Gully... I just remember watching this at my mama and papa's house pretty much non-stop when I was younger. Absolutely loved this movie. It was amazing. Cannot get my daughter to get into this movie. She is scared of the chainsaw at the very beginning. And then I have 
Robin Hood men in tights. Because <laughs> Mel Brooks is a genius, and so is Carrie Elwes. Dude, if you've not seen Robin Hood men in tights, go watch it now. Uh, also, the dad from Good Luck Charlie is on there. And it's just a really good show. And one of my favorite lines from that whole movie is when he's talking about his name's Little John. He's like, don't let my name fool you. I'm actually quite big in real life. I love that. Absolutely love that. Uh, and then Ghost in the Darkness. <laughs> it's nostalgic for a whole different reason. That was the first movie that scared me. Like, truly, deeply scared me. Like, in a moving way. It terrified me as a child. I remember watching that with my grandpa, my stepdad at the time, which is my brother's dad, and my brother at my grandpa's in the middle of the night. I was probably like seven or eight. My brother. So as I was saying, um, or was I a ghost in the darkness? Yeah, I was probably like seven or eight. And my brother was probably three or four. Highly inadvisable to allow small children to watch this movie. I mean, the whole movie was pretty scary, but when he just comes in and grabs that dude in his mouth that's like 11 feet tall and just carries him off into the wilderness, that got to me. That sincerely got to me as a small child. And I remember that to this day. That part of that movie. That's what got me. Alright, and then I have the catchiest songs in movies. One of them is from uh, from Fern Gully when Robin Williams busts out the My Name is Batty rap. Just go watch it. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Uh, Whistle Stop by Roger Miller, which is in the Robin Hood animated movie. If you've never heard Whistle Stop, you don't know what you're missing until you start whistling. No, I'm just kidding. But go... Go look up Whistle Stop, and I guarantee you've probably heard it before at some point. And the next two aren't really like full-on songs per se, but they're parts of movies that I quote non-stop, and they are technically in musical form, so I included them. The first one is off of Hot Rod, and has now forever changed the way my brother and myself greet each other. Every time we see each other, we will walk up, grasp the back of each other's hands, and go, God, so floor! May your hammer be mine. That's the whole thing. That's what we do. Uh, probably pretty silly to some people. Not to me. Not at all to me. That's just how we do it. And then the other one is off of Young Frankenstein. And that is when he's looking through all the things that are on the shelf on Young Frankenstein. And he, he, he does the, I ain't got nobody. And nobody can fool me. It doesn't make a lot of sense out of context, but go look it up. 
if you've not seen Young Frankenstein, go watch the entire movie. But if you want to know what I'm talking about, just go look up that scene. It's hilarious. And then, finally, this brings me to probably my favorite category. Plot holes. Some of these may break you. Some of them I specifically chose to ignore because they point out glaring problems with my favorite movie franchises. So I didn't include them. But here are the ones I did include. Armageddon. Interesting side note. This was actually brought up by Ben Affleck, who is in Armageddon, and was told by the director to shut up. Wouldn't it be easier to teach astronauts how to drill than to bring in a bunch of drillers to learn how to astronaut? And I'm thinking the answer to that is yes. I'm pretty sure if they can grasp the concept of being astronauts, they can grasp the concept of fracking. Uh, Toy Story. This one blew my mind because I've never once thought of this. And now that I read it, I can't stop thinking about it. So if you don't want Toy Story ruined for at least a small portion of time, don't listen to this one. Uh, So on Toy Story, if Buzz thinks he is a for-real-life space ranger, then how come he freezes when people come into the door? Because to him, there would be nothing wrong with talking to a human, because he does not realize he's a toy. He thinks he's a space ranger. So I don't know why that just broke me for a while, but it did. And then the hangover, the obvious one. Uh, There's no way possible, or at least I don't think there's any way possible. I say, let me rephrase that. I just went full foghorn leghorn. I say, I say, I say, I say, there ain't nobody. No. Anyway, sorry, the ADD is really, it's coming in strong right now. I'm having a very hard time. Um, there's no way that Doug was up, there's no way probable that Doug was up on the roof for as long as he was without somebody noticing him on surveillance because... That's the reason that windows don't open in Vegas because they're afraid people are going to commit suicide. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure they would notice a person just on the roof. (laughs) Cinderella. Now, you can pick any of the bajillions and bajillions and pavilions of live-action Cinderella stories or Cinderella movies or the animated one, and it doesn't matter because this makes no sense. So, she leaves the ball in a hurry and drops her slipper, as I'm sure you all know. But, literally, everything she's wearing, her entire carriage, all the horses, all the people that were on the carriage with her, they all go back to their original state. Her slipper just stays glass. That makes no sense to me, for one. For two, why in the world would you wear glass slippers? Those would never hold me. 
granted Cinderella probably weighed about 400 pounds less than I do but you know that's neither here nor there just saying not the most not the most common choice for footwear I would, would however like to see Adidas get behind glass shoes just kidding I could care less but um, yeah how come her slippers stay when everything else including the stuff she wasn't just wearing but the things that were with her went back to their original state and then finally there is signs I only watched this movie once and I honestly couldn't tell you that I formed much of an opinion about it because I just really didn't care a whole lot stupid dog dude oh man sorry I just passed some people are jacking with an injured porcupine on the side of the road. Grade A genius, folks. Grade A genius. Uh, anyways, back to signs. Like I was saying, I've only watched it one time. I don't know that at the time I got into it enough to really form an opinion. But if you're the aliens and you can die from coming into contact with water... Why would you land on a planet that is mostly water and that has moisture content in the air? And why would you land in a cornfield that has dew every morning, not to mention the residual water from irrigation? Bam, there it is. I said it. I did it. Well, that's all I got for you guys tonight. Um, hope everybody has an excellent 4th of July. Go celebrate your freedom. Go do it in style. Just don't set anything on fire. Uh, we got enough of that going on right now. But, you guys, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for all the support. And as always, you can hit us up on Twitter at PodcastWTCC. That's capital P and a capital W. You can hit us up at Gmail at WTCCPodcast at gmail.com. And until next time... Ladies and gentlemen, I will see you later. It's time to feel the rage. Join us on Film Rage, where we talk movies, current releases, coming attractions, streaming, and classic films as well. Directors and actors, beware as you cannot hide from the rage. My name is Bryce, and I'm part of the Film Rage crew, which also includes Jim. Hey, hey. And Murray. Yo. Why is it you always talk? All the time. I can't understand I why. This, this, is, this is the Merman, the voice of reason. These two can't agree on anything most of the time. Some movies are Mondo. Some are just... Every week, something is going to make us rage. Join us every Wednesday and feel the rage.